Hey, what is up, everyone? Welcome back to the Long Lens Podcast. This is the podcast where I answer questions from our YouTube community and just talk about filmmaking in general. And today we have a special guest on the podcast, first time ever that I'm interviewing someone. Matthew Danu is a filmmaker from San Diego whose YouTube channel focuses on micro four thirds camera and gear that actually matters. How's it going, Matthew? I am doing good. How are you, man? Good, dude. It's it's really cool to have you on here. I know uh, I've been subscribed to your channel, and I know that you pop in my comment section like all the time. So it's cool to finally like talk to you face to face. I know it's actually been kind of crazy uh, seeing on you on your journey. I think I subscribed to you like four years ago. Oh dang! So talking to you now is kind of kind of crazy for me. That's awesome, man. Yeah, thanks for the support. Of course. No, you've been killing it on the channel and on YouTube. Thanks, man. Cool. Well, I have some questions to start it out. And the first one, so how did you get your start in filmmaking? Yeah. So actually, before I started filmmaking, I was a musician, actually. For the longest time, I thought I was going to become a full-time artist, creating music with my band. And then I realized I was not that great at playing the drums or playing guitar. I wasn't bad. I was a pretty decent guitarist and drummer, but I wasn't the greatest. And I started picking up playing with cameras when I was like 16 years old. So I have no idea, like eight years ago, I guess now. And I started creating YouTube videos and creating just different types of content like that. And then from there, I thought about going more into filmmaking from friends and from mentors and going on multiple different types of shoots. So I've been getting more and more into filmmaking and now running my own video production company and doing stuff like that. I've been just doing this full time now for the past three years. So it's been kind of a crazy journey from when I started to being a musician to now being a filmmaker. Wow. That's awesome, man. That's really cool. Yeah. For, for any of you who haven't heard of Matthew's channel before, he has had some pretty successful videos talking about the Panasonic G9, which has always been a camera that I've really been into. But yeah, it's really cool to hear your your story from going from a musician to now a filmmaker. And your stuff looks really, really good too. How long have you been doing it again? How long ago was that when you like first picked up a camera? Uh, so I was 16. So I think eight years ago, if I'm doing math correctly. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I've been filmmaking for eight years, but more professionally for the past like three to four years doing uh, video production shoots on commercials and different stuff. Well, that's awesome. That's really cool. So yeah, I guess the next question that I had for you here was, what was your first camera? Was it the G9? No. So it was actually the Panasonic G7. Oh, nice. And I actually own two of these cameras and I can tell that story. And that camera, I saw it and I was just shooting. I saw that I had 4K capabilities, $500. And I thought this camera was a steal. And I remember it had 4K photo mode. Do you know that camera, right? Oh, yeah. So I thought uh, when I hit that 4K, when I first got that camera, I thought I was shooting 4K, <laughs> but I didn't know that I was still shooting 1080 for the longest time. Oh, dang. And obviously I learned that. And when I, when I met my wife, that camera actually broke on me. And so I had two options. Uh, this was the first time we were hanging out. I had two options, either buy the Panasonic G7 again, or I don't film and like meet my wife for the first time. So I ended up buying that camera a second time. And now it's like a solid B cam that I use for client shoots now. Oh, dang. That's awesome. Yeah. I feel like that camera kind of like launched the careers of a lot of, uh, a lot of YouTubers. It sounds like. Yeah. And it's still like, 
like I tell people all the time that like the G7 bang for buck, like you couldn't get cheaper cameras in the G7 or, you know, I guess easier to use cameras, but the G7 still like looks so much better than all the other cheap cameras that you can get out there. No, for sure. I would totally agree to that. And I feel like the G7 is like the best intro introduction into filmmaking just because of the fact that like it's kind of bare to the bones as even like high-end film cameras are like uh, shooting on the Sony FX5, shooting on Blackmagic's, uh, shooting on Z cams. None of those cameras have image stabilization. And when I got the G9, I started more relying and relying on image stabilization. And now shooting Blackmagic for a couple shoots of mine, it's uh, kind of throws me back to my G7 days when I had no image stabilization. So I absolutely love that camera. That camera is like awesome. And like you said, it's the greatest like starting filmmaking camera. Out absolutely. There. So now I kind of wanted to get into a little bit because you and I are both micro four thirds shooters. And I feel like it's not that there isn't a lot of uh, people that shoot micro four thirds, but I just kind of wanted to talk a little bit more about the the future of micro four thirds and more specifically the GH6. And I know that you have some thoughts on the GH6. So have you actually uh, got your hands on that camera yet? No, I haven't yet. I'm right now. I'm just kind of... Uh pitting money off to the side because I wasn't expecting it to just be the sudden drop and be like, yeah, I'm not willing to spend that money yet, but I plan on getting it. And talking a little bit about that camera, I think that is the best budget pro filmmaking camera coming out to this day. And I won't get into a bunch of specs like, cause like the 5.7 K like 60 frames is like super cool, but totally unnecessary for filmmaking right now. Yeah. But I think what excites me most about this camera is it has I would say the same level of features, if not more, when you compare it to uh, full frame cameras or cinema cameras, and it's at a fraction of the price, which is what I'm stoked about. Yeah. The only thing I would the only thing I would say about this camera though is that I don't think the GH6 is a camera for content creators. I think it's meant for filmmakers. Yeah, I I was just going to say that that was like so many people were, you know, pretty bummed out about the fact that the GH6 still had the contrast detection based autofocus implemented in it and not like phase detect or, you know, like dual pixel or whatever, you know, something that's like would be better for content creation. But I definitely think that if you look at it without like a content creation lens on it and just look at it like as a filmmaker, it's got some of the craziest specs that you could like ever imagine on a camera that small and for that price. Yeah. And I also feel like in that aspect, when you're thinking about it, if you think about full frame cameras, what are the features and benefits of full frame cameras? Uh, Obviously, you're going to get a little bit more bokeh, low light performance and better autofocus. But what are the downsides to that? It's harder to actually get tighter shots on full frame cameras, which no one really thinks about. Mm -hmm. It's but when you're using the GH6, you're getting much more intimate and close up shots that is better for filmmaking overall versus these crazy wide shots. You need a wide angle lens to shoot YouTube videos for the most part, especially if you live in like a tiny house like I do. Yeah. You need a wide angle lens and you can achieve, you can definitely achieve that with micro four third cameras, but I think micro four third cameras is like the best budget filmmaking tool. And like, I would like hands down would like, again say it's the best budget pro filmmaking camera like the gh6 right now is yeah no i totally agree so what's like the main feature about the gh6 that like you're the most stoked on honestly the main feature that i'm most stoked on i think it's two is the 4k 120 frames a second 
at 10-bit is what I think I'm really stoked on about that camera, being able to get that slow footage also in the full vlog um, coloring profile. And then also the 5.8K open gate uh filming i think that is super super cool i wish it was in 4k as well having that open gate um four by three ratio aspect because i think that's an amazing content creator tool for the gh6 being able to crop in to 16 by 9 9 by 16 4 by 5 1 by 1 and easily be able to film for every angle and decide later in post where do i want to make this video Versus if you film in 16 by 9 and you want to crop into 9 by 16, you're losing the majority of that screen unless you film sideways. Yeah, that's a really good point. I actually, I hadn't thought of that before. You could totally, it's way easier to make stuff that could go either on Instagram or on YouTube shooting in that open gate. That's actually a really good point. <laughs> yeah, no, that that that's super cool. And also the fact of like how much of a crazy price difference there is and the amount of features you're getting is what I'm also stoked about. Like price of full frame bodies and full frame lenses just to get the same amount of features uh, from the Sony a7S III is like $3,500 while the GH6 is $2,300 for the bodies alone. Yeah. Sure, Sony might provide better low light, bokeh and all that, but GH6 has like better IBIS, cheaper lenses, more uh, recording form rates and higher recording form rates at like less than $1,500 or less than $1,500 from the Sony cameras. Yeah, no. Which is great for people that are in the Micro Four Thirds community. Exactly. And I feel like that's one of the things that like, I feel like Panasonic gives people a lot of like value for their money. You know, maybe, you know, you could argue that like they have just been kind of like, you know, holding off on getting better autofocus in there. But I feel like once... Once Panasonic, you know, you know, catches up with their autofocus, I feel like if they had just as good as autofocus as Sony, there really wouldn't be any reason to go for, you know, a Canon or a Sony over a Panasonic other than just purely like aesthetics or, you know, like the body shape or maybe you just like Sony lenses or something like that. If, if Panasonic had good autofocus, like their specs on their cameras are just insane for the price. Yeah. And it's also interesting. Like, I don't think micro four third cameras are going anywhere unless full frame drops their price. Mm -hmm. But phones and everything that people are viewing now can't even display like true 4K. Yeah. So like, I don't know where cameras are going to go. Like, we don't really need 240 frames a second in 4K at 10 bit right now. Like, there's no real reason unless you're shooting slow motion maybe hitting a golf ball but at that point i don't even think it's worth it at that point getting something that crazy so it's interesting to see where cameras are going to go because i feel like we're hitting the ceiling for specs that we can get in a camera yeah like i almost feel like at this point it's just going to be like small refinements to cameras the area alexa and like the alexa mini like area doesn't release a camera every single year you know they have something that works really well and people love the image that comes out of it and so if it's not broken don't fix it and i feel like there's going to be a lot of cameras that are just going to be like slowly making small adjustments so that maybe they don't have the, the craziest specs but they just get a little bit closer to some of the cameras like airy or red so that they can you can be kind of like a budget shooter, but still kind of get the same kind of a look. Yeah. And I feel like with the GH6, it's going to be because I think it's becoming Netflix approved, I believe, because of the recording formats. So it's going to be one of the cheapest cameras that you can get that is classified as a cinema camera. 
And that that's just amazing to me. And I also think what's awesome about Panasonic cameras and is how they firmware update those cameras over time. Like the G9 is not worth what it used to be when it first came out, but then they did firmware updates and now the G9 is just even closer to the GH5 and it's like so much better of a bane for your buck for what you're getting in comparison to when it first came out. And I think that's going to be the same situation with the GH6. Yeah, no, that's actually a perfect segue into talking a little bit about the G9 because you use that camera and the stuff that you shoot with it looks really, really good. And I kind of, I don't know, like I've been really thinking about you know, switching back to Panasonic, even though I love my Olympus camera because like the, the autofocus is just, I mean, it's like on par with Sony's, but not having 10 bit is kind of, you know, it's a little bit of a bummer. So I kind of wanted you to like, I don't know, like what's been your experience using the autofocus on the G9? Cause I know that there's probably a lot of uh, my viewers and listeners that are pretty curious as to like, like how it actually is in use because with all the firmware updates i almost feel like it's like a mini s5 like i had the s5 and like almost all of the features that got implemented into the g9 almost makes it like a micro four thirds version of the s5 yeah so honestly man the g9 is hands down one of my favorite cameras that i've owned and still used to this date um i think something that i love about the g9 is like you said that 10-bit quality you can shoot in natural you can shoot in cine like d but i think with that 10-bit you're gonna get the most out of it if you end up purchasing the vlog l so if anyone's out there listening that is considering the g9 just note it's worth the hundred dollar upgrade for the vlog l even though I personally was kind of frustrated, I'm like, why did I have to spend an extra $100 for a color profile? But getting that profile, I've been even more stoked about this. And I think I've been using the ground control or ground floor, one of those two conversion LUTs. And it's been the footage coming out of this camera is absolutely just stunning to me. Um, and what I also like about this camera in comparison to the GH5 is I feel like the GH5 has a little bit more uh, video recording options and features like anamorphic mode but when i first got this camera i think it was like about three years ago so i wasn't well, i wouldn't say i was a pro i would say i was just starting out getting really serious about my filmmaking but what i think i loved a lot about this camera was that there wasn't a bunch of features that was stressing me out on like when should i use this feature when should i film in 60 frames or 24 frames when should i use variable frame rate to film 120 frames like what about anamorphic mode like the fact that there's like four technically there's one two three yeah four presets in oh no there's five presets in the panasonic g9 and i have four presets just for all my filming purposes which is just i think it's like 4k 24 60 frames uh, 120 frames and then 30 frames a second that's like all the frames and footage that i need but i don't need to stress about like do i need to use anamorphic mode and those features are great but i think this is like the best introduction into filmmaking camera currently that the Panasonic company sells right now. And then the autofocus, man, autofocus is really, really good. I think the only time the autofocus isn't usable is in YouTube video setup, similar to like how I film all my videos, because there is slight pulsing to lights in the background. But if you're outside or you're filming sunset, that is very unnoticeable in almost all the footage that I film and use. Okay. Yeah, so with the autofocus, have you noticed like better performance with uh, with better or with, with like different lenses? Uh, what's your lens setup right now? Yeah, so 
I noticed that um, my lens setup is actually I use a manual cine lens the majority of the time. I have the 25, the Panasonic 25 mil, um, and then the kit lens, and then the zoom lens, uh, the 45 to 150. Okay. I noticed that on the kit lens, and I think also on the 14 mil 2.5 from Panasonic, I noticed those lenses just react super, super fast. But the 25 mil on the lens itself is just a slightly bit slower in comparison. But I've honestly haven't had any issues. And I think when people do comparison tests on YouTube, like running all the way back and then running all the way forward to a camera, like you don't do that in any situation when you need autofocus. And I feel like it's extremely usable. Um, I make sure I don't do face detect. I use the center point of the camera because that is where the camera has the best autofocus is in the center of the sensor. And the face detect works well, but it is contrast based. So I would always suggest using the contrast base to the best of its abilities. Don't try to pit in dark situations wearing dark clothes. Try to wear light clothes in a dark situation. Try to stand out in the situation. And the autofocus is almost like close enough to like Sony and Canon cameras. Well, that's good to know. Cause I've been like, that's like the one like hesitation that I have to, to getting the G9s. Cause I've become so used to, you know, having pretty snappy autofocus with my Olympus camera now that it's like, I just don't know if I can, I mean, I know that I can survive without it because, I mean, I use the GH3 for, you know, years and years. But uh, I guess I'm just, I don't know, I'm starting to get lazy now because I can just kind of put my camera anywhere and it'll just lock onto my face. But the one thing that I've just been thinking of is just having that 10-bit codec. You can do so much with like a 10-bit file. And like you said, you can use you know, conversion LUTs and make them look so much different than you can with an 8-bit file. Like I know the 8-bit files on like the Panasonic cameras can hold up to a little bit of grading, but like the 10-bit stuff that was coming out of like the S5 and even the GH4 into like an external recorder was just like such a night and day difference. And sometimes when I'm like, I'm grading my Olympus stuff, I'm just like, man, if I had 10-bit, this would not like my wall wouldn't be banding with crazy color blotches, you know? (laughs) Yeah, no. So whenever I'm color grading, I'm so stoked about the colors that are coming out of it. And I can go on DaVinci and do a full color grade from out of the camera but like that conversion light is literally looks so clean and it's just a clean looking image the entire time and whenever i'm filming sunsets or filming commercials i'm always so stoked to like actually color grade the footage them for the most part and i've been finding myself using vlog l more and more and more the more i film with this camera in 10 bit and shooting even in 8-bit out of this camera, I noticed that color grading the Vlog L is still pretty clean when I'm shooting 60 yeah. frames a second for it. So you're a you're a DaVinci Resolve user? No, I am actually not. I'm a Final Cut user. Oh, really? <laughs> okay, right on. Yeah so, yeah, so I use Final Cut Pro, and I've been using it since I started editing. Um, but for stuff, when I work with a production company, they need me to edit in premiere. So I edit in premiere for them. And then if I need to do a professional color grade, I'll do everything in DaVinci. So I kind of jump between all the platforms, but when I'm editing or if it's my preference, I just go straight to Final Cut because I feel like it's the fastest. Well, that's pretty cool that, you know, like, and least crashable. Yeah. That's pretty cool that, you know, like, you know, three different programs. I'm like, I've been on Adobe Premiere since like 2006 or something like that. So it's just, it's such a 
hard thing for me to like unlearn everything that I know about that program and try to like bring it into another one. But do you ever get like, do you ever get pressured by people to just switch completely over to DaVinci? Cause that's what everybody's telling me right now. <laughs> Being a Final Cut user and then jumping into Premiere first, I've had so many struggles in Premiere just crashing. Like I would like spend 20 minutes editing. And since I'm not used to hitting command S all the time, I just lose the entire work. My computer would freeze and I've never had those issues. But then when I went to DaVinci from Premiere, it was a night and day difference. I felt like Premiere or I felt like DaVinci is the best editing software. Like it has all the best features from Final Cut and it has all the best features from Premiere pit into one platform. I still prefer Final Cut just because I can edit faster. I enjoy using it more, but DaVinci would be my second go-to over Premiere by like five by five shot i would say take take the jump yeah especially when i'm creating my luts like i always do it in davinci like i never try to create a lut in premiere and davinci is such a more like it's a more powerful like coloring tool and i like i know it as a coloring tool like decently well but just you know trying to use it as an nle is just it's not like i can't but you know i'm just i guess i'm just procrastinating i know that like like i know that my life would be better if i just switched completely over to davinci but i just find myself getting frustrated if like a hotkey doesn't work and so i just go back to premiere <laughs> but i probably will someday yes so that was actually going to be my my suggestion was uh can ch change all your keyboard settings to yeah. what program you're most used to so in premiere it's all final cut in davinci it's all final cut yeah um like when i work with someone and i see him using the default settings on davinci and i see him moving his hands all over the keyboard and it's just in myself i'm just like oh my gosh <laughs> i can't believe that like when i'm editing in final cut i'm literally my hand stays in one place the majority of the time yeah and now when i edit in premiere or davinci it's the exact same situation yeah so I just changed it and they have presets like in DaVinci, they had Premiere preset. They had Final Cut presets like keyboard yeah. shortcuts. So it's easily able to switch over. It's definitely something that I'm probably going to like look into. Maybe when I have some downtime, hopefully this summer I can get myself to switch completely so I don't have to keep paying 50 bucks a month for Adobe. <laughs> yeah. And the subscription sucks. Like you get Netflix, you spend like whatever, $12 a month. Yeah. But if you want to cancel, you can cancel. Yeah. If you get Premiere pro and you get subscribed you can't cancel or you have to pay the rest of the year yeah no for sure and i, I think also something I, I wanted to also just quickly add for the g9 though really quick is i just want to mention this lastly like i think the g9's autofocus is so usable except for like situations when you're in youtube situations where it's one frame that you're focusing on the entire setting the entire time. But if you're going out in the like forest, you're going out to multiple locations, I think the G9 is still is one of the best autofocus cameras besides the GH6, I think. Like, I feel like it probably has similar performance to the S5. Like, I never thought that the S5 was like a perfect autofocus camera. But, you know, if you switch it into crop mode or just, you know, use it very cautiously, like the, the S5 could you know could lock on to someone and you know keep them tracked and like i feel like for anyone out there who's thinking about getting the g9 like i am if you're worried about you know keeping your your face in focus for a youtube video you can do that without autofocus i mean maybe you won't have the little you know holding the product up to the lens and having it snap to focus or whatever which yeah that's cool but like again i did like all of my youtube videos with 
a gh3 and i just use a little like shutter remote to like half press on it and then that's how i got my focus a lot of people think that like autofocus is like an absolute necessity when you're doing youtube videos but realistically you can do it without autofocus and i feel like with them where youtube and tech channels are going there's not many people that you see hold up something like to the camera nowadays everyone's filming b-roll and it's talking heads and it's talking over the b-roll so it's like yeah not a lot of people need something that like oh look at something that's in my hand then look at my face and if you need that it only takes like maybe like a second and it's already there yeah no for sure well cool i was kind of like i was interested in like other than cameras what else are you like super into in the filmmaking world because for me i'm really obsessed with like lenses and lights you know cameras are cool but like is there anything else you're like super obsessed with that like whenever something gets dropped like maybe other people aren't as stoked but like you're always like super stoked on it yeah, so I think what I'm super stoked when it comes to filmmaking is actually similar to what you said, the lighting. Lights are just like, I'm all for it. Now that like I know and learning more about lighting and then color grading is the other side where I've absolutely just fallen in love with color grading. But the big thing that I love the most is when I have a shot in my mind and maybe I need to add fog and haze it to the room. Maybe I need to set up lights. Setting up the shot to make it just look absolutely stunning and like next level is what gets me so stoked when I'm looking in the camera and I'm like, this is the shot that the client or this is the shot that people are going to love the most because it just looks the most cinematic or it just looks the most professional. Like that's what gets me super stoked. Like whenever I can pull out the fog machine, I'm like thrilled and over the moon about it. Dude, yeah, fog, haze, that such like that adds such a look to almost anything. You just you haze a room up and instantly it looks like ten times better. <laughs> I know. And I every time when I go into a situation, I'm like, oh, let's just haze this room and it's gonna look so much better. But I always kind of feel a little awkward. I'm like at someone's house or something, I'm like, hey, can I like fog your entire house up? It just feels so uncomfortable to ask. Yeah. I'm like, trust me, it'll look better. Yeah, no, for sure. Okay, well, I just have like one last question for you. If you're going out on just like a typical shoot, a quick client shoot, or, you know, you're going out and filming uh, some stuff with your friends or your wife or something like that, like what's going in your backpack like every single time or your camera bag? So like what camera, lens, mic? So if I'm going out and I'm just going out with my wife and we're just going on like a camping trip per se, the cameras that are going to be coming in my backpack, like the main essentials, Panasonic G9. If I can rig it out, that'll be great. Um, I'll probably bring the 25 or uh, Nifty 50 equivalent, the 25 mil Panasonic lens, and then the Mikey Cine lens. I absolutely love that. I'm planning to get another Mikey uh, Cine lens of 50 mil because those lenses just look so clean. They're so sharp. It, they're all autofocus because they are Cine lenses, but that is definitely my go-to lens whenever filming. I'm using the Rode uh, Video Mic Go 2 for audio. That's like clean, crisp audio. The USB settings in this audio just sounds super clean. That's what I'm using right now. For And then I would have the Mavic Mini 2 as my go-to drone. I am a really big into drones and drone piloting, but unfortunately it doesn't do super great on my channel. So I never post content about it, but I absolutely love creating uh, drone videos. And I'm I would say I'm probably one of the best pilots I know in my town, in my area. Whenever someone comes with drone content, they always come to me because I learned how to fly FPV and stuff like that. 
So that that would be my essential kit if I'm going out and filming uh, anything for the content. Awesome, man. That's a that's a solid kit. All right. Well, I think I think that's all the questions I had for you. Unless you wanted to add anything else, we can we can wrap it up here. Yeah. No, I think that's that's all I gotta say. I mean, the only thing I would have to say when we touched about earlier is I remember this one situation. I was talking to my brother-in-law and he wanted just a better camera. And I was like, all right, it sounds like you want a full frame camera because he's trying to become a big YouTuber. And then we just looked at the prices and I was just so blown away. And that's why I think I'm most stoked about with the Panasonic cameras and Micro Four Third cameras is I think Micro Four Third cameras is the best budget cameras out there. That's that's all I got to say for that. And the G9 Rocks, the GH6 is over the moon, a great camera. And I think that's that's my last point on that. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. And I feel like there is that stigma with everybody thinks that you need a full frame camera in order to create stuff that like looks super good. But I think that Matthew is a really good, he's a really good case study that you can make great looking stuff, even with a micro four thirds camera. And you kind of got to get over that full frame, you know, it has to be full frame kind of a mindset. But uh, dude, Matthew, thank you so much for joining me on this this crusty little podcast that I have. I really appreciate it. If uh, people want to go and find you on Instagram or YouTube, where should they go? Uh, they should just go to Matthew with two T's, uh, Danu, D-A-N-G, oh wait, D-A-N-G-Y-O-U. I almost forgot how to spell it. <laughs> yeah, Matthew Danu on any platform. Awesome. Well, thank you again so much, Matthew. And uh, we'll have to do this again. Yeah, I would love to. Awesome. Thanks, man. 